Hello, my friends. Welcome to another In Stereo episode of Front of House. Today, it's part two with Ted Russell Camp. Ted will pick up the bass and play us some songs, and it's really, really nice. Now, if you don't care about the sequence of things, go ahead and listen if you haven't listened to part one. But uh, if you do care about the chronological order of musical events, like this episode of Front of House, this is part two with Ted Russell Camp. So go back and listen to part one if you haven't already. Final reminder, make sure you listen in stereo. I know everybody likes to play things on their phone, but your phone's speakers suck. So get some headphones or plug it into the auxiliary jack of your car stereo and enjoy Front of House with Ted Russell Camp, part two. And we're back. Ted Russell Camp is our guest today, front of house, live in Los Angeles. Remember, the show is always on demand at soundcloud.com slash Los Angeles. Ted, earlier we were talking about, I, I gave you the the question that you had to answer. Yeah. And, um, and we danced around it quite a little bit. Um, and I see what you're saying because, you know, when you look at guys, uh, people like Towns Van Zandt and Bob Dylan... And, and those amazing songwriters, uh, you don't necessarily think about their singing. At least I don't. I, I can see how Bob Dylan is a beautiful singer. But if you give Bob Dylan over the rainbow and say, do this song for me, it's not going to be as good as Judy Garland or even Kermit the Frog. Yeah. If you had to make the choice, I mean, because you, you are, you're a musician and with the, with the background and the pedigree that you have that have definitely had a large effect on your songwriting skills, what is more important? I mean, I listen to your lyrics and they're awesome. Thank you. And I listen Thank to your you. changes and, and, and your arrangements and it, it's always awesome. Well, they, they, they. It's it's hard. Like I, I totally get it. I'm not trying to de- like deflect the question, but they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. The story the has a soundtrack. The That's the beauty of music. Mm-hmm. Is that you can turn off your brain and feel something mm-hmm. when you hear something. And Ian, and actually, uh, let's go to Bob Dylan for a second. And like that psychedelic era of songwriting. It's like even if you have no idea what he's actually talking about, those images create this picture and create these feelings and the intensity that he gets with his voice ties into the music and you feel a certain way that's why that's that's one of the reasons that stuff is so powerful you know um and the whole point of music is that it is that the lyrics and the music and the story go hand in hand like music and poetry are different things Mm -hmm. poetry is meant or one of the, I should say one of the po- one of the powerful things about poetry is you can sit there and you can read the page again and again and again. And if it's an epic poem, you can read the whole you can read it and it takes minutes or hours or days to absorb. 
and someone like T.S. Eliot. The whole point is that you don't quite understand it, but you keep coming back because it kind of folds in on itself. Okay. And it's, it's about uh, this kind of repeated viewing and this uh, slowly getting to understand more of the nuance. And great songs have that as well, but there's an immediacy to songs. There's an immediacy to like, wow, I heard that melody before, and now I'm hearing it again. What does that mean? You know, there's a comfort that happens with songs. Like one of the things when you write songs and when you listen to great songs, uh, there's a certain amount of stuff that you've heard before that's predictable, which is why you can start speaking the language with it. And then there's a per certain amount of newness and stuff that's surprising or unexpected. And that's what makes it great and interesting. You know, that's why when people who are young today listen to Chuck Berry, mm -hmm. they might say, oh, that's just whatever. He's just doing the same thing over and over again. Like at the time, it was completely revolutionary. And not many people played the guitar that way, had the band sound that way, and also could write songs like him. You know, but years later, it's like, oh, I've seen that before. I've heard that before. I've heard, and even if they haven't heard him, they've heard all the people that have come after, later on, generations later, and in the food chain after him. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't seem so interesting and profound now. It seems kind of charming and outdated. You know, oh, there's some stuff my parents would have dug. You know, um, and so, yeah, it really does go hand in hand for me. Um, but I, and I was talking also about this dichotomy that's part of me is the songwriter part wants to tell stories and be deep and profound. Mm -hmm. And then there's this bass player side of me that just wants to play simple and be groovy and just repeat the same thing over and over again. And it's the feel and the, the eloquence of the feel that's more important than any lyrical thing that's happening.
Russell Camp is here. One thing you were talking about, about uh, um, it's almost like a familiarity thing. Yeah. When you hear something that you recognize from before, whether it's years past, and there's a whole science built around this for songwriting and hooks. And, you know, oh, yeah. Those, those, those five guys who are producing everything you hear on the radio, they find those little things, and then you hear those little things. And a lot of times when you hear a new record, you love it because it sounds like something else you've already heard. Oh, yeah. One of the things I love about music in general is when I get a good record from a great band, and the first time I play it, I hate it. Yeah, because they're doing something new and different. Yes. And it's surprising you, and it's not, it's not giving you the predictable thing that they sound exactly like they did last year. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that is, I've learned to recognize that as, as one of the great signs of something that could be quite awesome. Yes. Yeah, it could be a mistake. Mm-hmm. It could be it, self-indulgence it could or whatever else. It could be metal machine music. Mm-hmm. But it could be, wow, I would, oh, these guys have grown. Yeah. They're doing something else now. It's something that's challenging your yeah. musical and, and, and preconceptions if, of what something should If you loved them and trusted like. them before, right. it might take time, uh, but you can catch up. Mm-hmm. And, and I agree. That's a great way to say it. Yeah. Well, we're going to do something new here uh, in front of house. Ted mentioned this to me uh, before, and I got, I got really, really excited about it. You, <laughs> you play bass, and you've written songs specifically for bass yeah. guitar, and, and, and you perform them. So we're going we're gonna to do some of this. I consider you a fantastic musician. Do you consider yourself a bass player? Um. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, bass is the thing I have done most in my professional life. Okay, playing bass in other people's bands and, of course, on my own. Uh, but the singer-songwriter thing and the producer thing and all that stuff has come later. Mm-hmm. Like bass is bass is a, is a really foundational thing to who I am, and and uh, and kind of how I see music in okay. the world. You know what I mean? Well, I'm excited about this. Ted Russell Camp is going to play uh, play us a few songs here, um, written specifically for the bass <laughs> guitar. All right, all right. Uh, actually, why don't I start with one that uh, that we did with Shooter Jennings? All right. Many, some of you may know, some of you may not, but I played bass with Shooter uh, Jennings, who's son of Waylon Jennings and Jesse Coulter. Uh, from 2004 to 2010 or 11, maybe. Uh, and now I just started playing with him again, recording a lot in the last couple of years, and now we're starting to play shows again. Uh, so here's one I wrote that was on Shooter's first record. That was also on my first record. It's called Steady at the Wheel. hundred towns, ashes of a house that's alone burned down. And dust dumps down another day, gonna swallow up time, throw it all away. Zero to sixty, it's the next big thing, tell me it's steep, 
Come on and drive all night just to ease the pain But don't you look away, steady at the wheel Try to sing an old familiar tune Bloodshot words on an acetate room Trooper dog push on through and heartbreak sits right next to you. Zero to sixty, it's the next big thing. Tell me it's still. Come on and drive all night just to ease the pain, but don't you look away. Steady at the wheel. Steady at the Russell Camp is front of house. Do you ever look at guys who are playing bass and they got those five string basses? <laughs> and you go, hey man, I do better with four strings than you do on five. Yeah, you don't need that. Yeah. It's like spell check. Right. You can figure out how to spell, you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> say what you need to say before. Here's another one. Oh, wait. Pause it. Let me tune again. Go ahead. Uh, while you're doing this, I might as well thank our sponsors. Uh, we got to thank Rode Microphones. All we use is Rode in this place, and they've been very, very good to us. So check out RodeMic.com. Uh, I want to thank Extreme Music for the bumper music. There's this uh, website, ExtremeMusic.com, and I've had access to it uh, for a while now, and then they have... Basically, music beds, royalty-free music. And you see a commercial on TV, and they're using a music bed that you chose for something else a long time ago. Oh, wow. And, yeah. and, you're, and you hear these things, and you're like, 
oh my god, I know that music. I used it for this one piece I put together. But uh, ExtremeMusic.com, they're awesome. Royalty-free music, uh, very reasonable prices if you're a filmmaker or whatever. Uh, I also want to thank Eventide uh, for the plugins and big, big, big ups to Gavin Lurson and uh, IK Multimedia. I don't know if you've heard about this, Ted, but uh, I'm a mastering engineer. Why? I didn't know that. Because I got a Lurson plugin. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. Awesome. And, uh, and uh, Gavin Lurson basically put his chain uh, for mastering, all of his possible chains. You oh, just wow. pick the kind of music you're doing and run it through the master, and it's like, oh, amazing. So he's putting mastering engineers out of work left and right. Uh, that's, again, at ikmultimedia.com. Uh, are we tuned? Yes. Let's hear another song. I'm digging this, man. Ted Russell Camp, tedrusselcamp.com. Support the art, my friends. He is front of house. All right. So um, when I did Flying Solo, it was a two-part series. The first of the series was called The Low and Lonesome Sound. And it's an album that is in, almost entirely bass and singing. Because when I do my solo shows, I will do two or three or four songs on the bass. Uh, and that album kind of came about when I did a great live show in uh, the Netherlands, uh, Crossroads Radio, where it's a great theater, great little concert in front of like maybe 100 people in a small theater. Um, and they record it live and it's on the radio. It's one, of the, it's one of the bigger Roots Music radio shows in Holland. Um, and so I did it, and they sent me the tracks from it. And I was like, and I had three songs on the bass. I was like, wow, that's, that's half of an EP right there. So I made a bass album, uh, including those three songs from that show. Uh, this is one of the newer songs. That uh, was not from that show, but this one is called Rainy Day Valentine. Sunrise on the ocean She holds the hope of midnight in her spine And every time she's here I get the notion That we could have forever for a while just looking for a little bit of time to borrow And maybe a couple of arms to hold her tight She don't ever worry about tomorrow Cause she's got everything she needs right here tonight I never know when she's gonna show But she's always right on time She never says too much But when she does It lingers on my mind 
You know she's always been the one to pour Just one more glass of wine She won't ever be mine But she's my rainy day valentine Never see another man by her side, but somehow she never seemed alone. She washes over me just like the tide, as free as anything I've ever known. I never know it. She's gonna show She's always right on time She never says too much But when she does How it lingers on my mind You know she's always been the one to pour Just one more glass of wine She won't ever be mine But she's my rainy day valentine And holding on to her so damn easy But letting go is where we've always been It hurts so hard every time she leaves me But it's only so she can go And come right back again No, no How it lingers on my mind You know she's always been the one to pour Just one more glass of wine She won't ever be mine But she's my rainy day valentine She won't ever be mine But she's my rainy day valentine She won't ever be mine But she's my rainy day Valentine She's my rainy day Valentine She's my rainy day lady She's my rainy day Valentine God, I love that girl. <laughs> well done. Thank you very much. And uh, you don't even miss an acoustic guitar. You know what I mean? Well, it's good. perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, I mean, that's not the ultimate goal, but that's a wonderful thing. When, it, when I can create enough music on just bass and singing, yeah. that you don't miss anything else. It's got this, uh, this spacious stoic thing where you can really hear the bass, you can really hear the voice, but you don't miss anything else. That's 
That's the goal. Yeah. I get the whole yin and yang thing we were talking about earlier. I think for me, it is a lot about lyrics. Um, I'm a sucker for story songs. Yeah. I like a good story. Yeah. Totally. But I, I, I love I love a song about a girl. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's a good one. That's on the low and lonesome sound. Okay. Uh, and I think that will be one of the rare songs that's on two records of mine. I think that's going to be on my next record as well. Great song, man. Yeah, thank you. Was that one of those songs that you just wrote in yeah, 20 minutes? Definitely not. Yeah. Definitely not. I'm not a big... I'm not a big believer when people say they, 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 they have... Usually when someone tells you that they wrote a song in 20 minutes, it's mediocre. Mm -hmm. It's got a great spark, and it's got something really cool and unique about it, but the lyrics are lame, or it's not developed. I'm a big believer in editing. Uh, like when, I'm, when I first write a song, and I'm going to play it for someone, whether it's my wife or a friend... If there's a lyric that I start mumbling, mm -hmm. then that's I just know, changed. okay, that's a lyric I'm not proud about. I'm not proud of. Okay, I need to rewrite that that's that line because you know there have been so many great songs written before we were even born. Right. Much less now that it's you know modern life, uh, and you don't want to say something that's been said a million times or be trite or be boring. Uh, the whole, I mean, I'm not going to be the best singer or the best bass player or the best songwriter or anything out there, but I'm the only one who can do what I do. And that's one of the things that makes life interesting mm -hmm. and music interesting is, is, is getting to what's unique about this person and what they want to share with the world, you know, um, and so that's kind of the goal. And when you get down to you know, it, after uh, you've kind of written a song and then you, you record it and then you're going to perform it for the rest of your life, if there's that one mumble piece in there, you're going to regret it for the rest of your life. Yeah, every time, every time I play it forever. <laughs> right. You know, and um, I mean, there are, there are some of these great examples like uh, Every Breath You Take by mm -hmm. Sting and Bridge Over Troubled Water. And it's like, okay, this is a person who has written hundreds of songs and deeply understands what it is to write good songs and to be themselves while writing these songs. And so, yeah, if Sting is going to wake up in the middle of the night and write Every Breath You Take, granted, that's a very... The, the concept of the song is very simple and it's super repetitive. And that's one of the things that makes it so powerful is that Sting can wake up and being half conscious, all of these other hundreds of songs that have been great or mediocre that he's written over the years, his awareness of songwriting is instinctively going into writing this thing in 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. So when he writes a song like Every Breath You Take, yeah, that was, a, that was an inspired moment. But without being conscious, he could apply all these songwriting instincts that he's developed right, over the years. Right, right. So it's like... Every other Joe in the world couldn't write couldn't every breath you take in 20 minutes right. or bridge over troubled water in 20 minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah, sometimes you get songs that are beautiful and simple and zen and you don't really want to touch them again. And mm -hmm. that's okay. Not every song 
needs to be a lyrical and musical masterpiece. They just need to kind of uh, encapsulate a beautiful moment or a feeling. You know, how sweet it is to be loved by you. Great song. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't want every, you don't, you know, not every song has to be, uh, you know, Everybody Knows by Leonard Cohen or something. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and that's beautiful. That's one of the great things about songs is they express different people. I drove around listening to the Ramones a couple of weeks ago. Okay. I just needed to hear, uh, <laughs> I want to be sedated. So I've, I got it out. I still have the CD, you know, and so I just drove around. I was like, man, these guys are great. You know, simple, fast, direct. Yeah. So melodic. Each song is this cool little statement about life and about, or some chick, or about survival. And it's like, the Ramones. They're beautiful. No one's done it like them. No one ever will. I want to get back to something. Something we were talking about earlier. Uh, about uh, a radio mm-hmm. and recording at radio stations and being around radio. Now, I don't know what radio is like in Finland, but I've seen enough radio across the United States of America Yeah, to make a few sweeping generalizations. Okay. <laughs> Every DJ in America is exactly the same. <laughs> it's number one. Every program director at every American radio station mm-hmm. is a failed DJ. Okay. And all of us DJs are just failed rock stars. Uh. When you go from, when you, now you've, you've done radio tours. You've been yeah. in radio yeah. stations. you played where they got the two mics on the arms, the two Royer RE20s, and they'll point one at your guitar and one at your vocal. Yeah. Flip them on and, and, and say play. We grew up around radio. Radio was big and powerful when we were kids. Oh, yeah. I imagine that some of your experience in radio stations totally shattered that image, like tore away the curtain. You saw the Wizard of Oz. You know, in a way, but let me say this. I was also a college DJ. Ooh. Yeah. And I I went to school in Binghamton, New York, SUNY Binghamton, State University, New York, Binghamton. And I was a program director for a couple years. No, for one year. For one year. Um, No, I lied. I was the pop music director. Okay. But the the radio was really kind of run by, it was, I mean, a student organization. It was run by like five or six people and the different departments. And the pop music department was the biggest department. And I was ahead of that for a year or two. I was a DJ every single, uh, uh, pretty much my entire time in college. So it was a big part of my social life. And I loved being a DJ mm. and going in. And then you had uh, some CDs, but for the most part, it was vinyl. And you'd go into these basically huge closets that were 20 by 10 with racks of records from floor to ceiling. And and they would and the way our station had it done, they had uh, uh, they categorized them, like the blue eights were rock, okay, and the red nines were reggae, and I forget what the, but there was a different yellow fours or whatever were jazz, and you know zero green was was like spoken word, like every every genre that they had had a category. 
Uh, and so did you have to break out like kind of a, 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 yeah, a so when, roadmap? Yeah, so when, so when you had a show, okay. you'd show up at the station. You know, you have a two or three hour show. You'd show up at the station like mm-hmm. an hour or two early. And you'd go through the rooms. And you'd pull out these records. We're like, wow, I've never heard of the zombies. Let's check them out. Hey, I've never heard of whatever. What's your name? Who's your daddy? Yeah, totally, totally. And you would go, and I would go in. It was like this amazing experience of learning about new music. And then, of course, it's a college radio station, so no one cared. It was free format. Right. You and your 15 friends who would call in and heckle you. And then a couple random local people who you didn't know mm-hmm. would occasionally call in and be like, hey, man, thanks for playing Joe Cocker or whatever it was. But, uh, but it was such a chance to get into loving music and sharing music. And when I got into a new genre or whatever, I could play that music and try to share obscure stuff with people out there. And then someone would call in and be like, oh, wow, but you didn't know that. What was that? Was one of the, the great, like the Beatles, the, while, my gu- while my guitar gently weeps. Mm-hmm. When someone was like, oh, do you know Eric Clapton played guitar on that? And you're like, right. I had no idea. Well, let's play Lay Down Sally next. Yeah. You know, it's like you could totally like... So you know, Lay Down Sally you, was Clapton's salute to American country music. Oh, yeah, music. totally, totally. Yeah. No, but you could like play, it, play a long song and then go into the other room and find the record you wanted and right. come back and right. cue it up by the time the song ended. It was totally great. Um, and it was just this wonderful lesson in music and, and loving music. You know, like when... Uh, you know the you know the movie, what was the John Cusack movie? Uh, saying high no, high infidelity, high fidelity, high fidelity, high yeah. fidelity. Um, and it was great. Like the more I play music, the more I meet people like those quirky characters in that movie. Sure. You know, and you're saying I I I, I totally understand when you're saying the instinct. The great like the DJs have this personality, but they just were not good enough at music to be in a band. And they love music so much, but they want to talk about music and be around musicians and share it. And I totally get yeah. that. And it's not, um, I'm not trying to put it down right, in a right, way. Right, right, But all I'm saying is if, the, if we could all be rock stars, we would. Yeah. Yeah. But DJs have this other strength, mm-hmm. which is they, they can be verbally expressive in a way that many musicians can't. Right. And so it makes sense that around something like music, you get rock journalism and music criticism mm-hmm. and DJs like all of these little industries kind of, and all of these industries and professions revolve around each other. You know what I mean? But, anyway, but, but the, the, the reason I brought up being a college DJ is I totally get what it's like to be a DJ. And I love that. I love that feeling. There's a different, there's a different, uh, there's kind of a different set of uh, kind of factors and a different set of goals in being a great DJ yeah. than there are from being a great musician or being a great pop star or being a great songwriter or a record producer um, uh, or promotions person or publicity person. Sure. You know, or, all, or, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, I've known more than a few great musicians who got tired of playing live every night and they became the bus driver of the touring vehicle, which is something that I would drive me fucking crazy. 
Like the whole point of dealing with the road is so you can actually play at the end of the day. Right. And, and, and have that satisfaction. But I know some people who have done that and are seemingly happy. Well, d- I know other people who are like, well, I was a musician, it didn't work out, and now I'm a lawyer. Yeah, that's a whole different. Or ballgame. now I'm a, uh, or I became now a I DJ. Sell real estate. Or I became something else. And right. some of them are music related. Many of the music industry people that I've met over the years were musicians, or they're like, oh, I was in a high school rock band, but I obviously didn't have any talent, and so now I'm in publishing. You know, and I totally get that. The thing with the DJ is. Um you don't necessarily want to play someone your own songs. You don't have something deep inside of you right. that you need to tell them. It's you need you need to listen to this guy. Mm-hmm. You need to hear what he's saying. Yeah. And there's so much exponentially more of that than than you would find in just a hey, I'm a singer songwriter. Here are my songs. Oh, yeah, you're so right. there is there is a a, a, a kind of a. A wizardry, a, a zen, a um, a Gandalf to being mm-hmm. a DJ. You're yeah, like, you're, you're right. a guide. You know. Yes, totally. Uh, but it was interesting. You you mentioned the bus driver. We were having this conversation just a little bit earlier about how, and I I remarked that it made me happy that you still go through this feeling when you go to a show and you're not playing and you're not involved (laughs) and you are just watching the show on stage and all of a sudden you get that fucking itch. You're like, I need to be on that stage. Why am I not playing right now? Yeah. Yeah. So how someone can transition to bus driver. That's a very odd. Oh, I go crazy. Yeah. But I know, I know, I know some people who have done it. You know, when I was touring around on a bus, every once in a while, you're the last guy awake, and it's three in the morning, and so you end up talking to the bus driver for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And someone's like, oh, I played with, uh, what was this? Oh, there's this one older groovy guy from Nashville. The guy used to play with Roger Miller. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. I was in Paychecks Band for a while. I'm like, Jesus. John well, how Paycheck. could you not want to do that anymore. It was like, well, there's good security in driving. You work with a company. It's a lot saner. You're up all night, but I'm a night owl anyway. And you make good money. You take care of the bus. It's very predictable. You drive to Tallahassee and you drive somewhere else. You don't have to deal with all those crazy musicians, but it's fun fun because you're around them, but you're not really directly dealing with them. I'm like, okay. And when you're working, everyone else is off. Yeah, no one's really... Everyone obviously is depending on you to get them to right. the next gig, but they're no, not. No, there's like they're they're, they're loners. The yeah, you know, like there's something about me that, like, when I hang out alone for too long, I just get depressed. I feel you. Even if I hang out at home and I'm like, okay, it's like I got all day at home. I'm going to make business calls and emails and organize and da 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 da. You know, by three in the afternoon, I'm going crazy, and I need I need a break. Or I need to see someone. Or, mm-hmm. And so I know this about myself now. So I'll book a rehearsal or a little one or two hour recording session. Or uh, I just know I can't do that. Sometimes in my life I need to. Like when I'm going to put out my own records. I'll hire a publicist or hire a radio promoter or something like that. But I really am the one calling all these people and calling lots of extra stations and calling da 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 making sure all this stuff, the logistics of the release happens. Uh, and that's a, that's, you know, that's a couple months of being at home and emailing all the time and calling people all the time. 
Uh, and I, I genuinely start to miss music. And there are days like that when I'm working all day and I go to just some groovy local gig in LA and playing with friends. I'm going to make 75 bucks that night. So it's not a big make or break thing. Sure. But when I finally get on stage, the, it's like the floodgates open. I'm like, yeah. wow, I can be human again. Yeah. You know, isn't that weird? There, there was, it, a, there was there, a, go ahead. It, it is weird, but there's a, there's a, there's a time I went to, uh, my wife, uh, used to be, uh, she was in advertising. Uh, like the, when we lived up in Seattle years ago, she was, she worked for the big billboard company up in Seattle. Okay. And she got the employee of the quarter or year or something like that. It was a good, wonderful. So they gave us a free round, free, free tickets to Hawaii for a week Damn. and a resort. So we hung out in this resort and chilled out and hung by the pool and went scuba diving. And after about four days, I was going crazy because I needed to play an instrument. <laughs> right. And I, when I literally was like, we got to go to the mall or whatever is around here, wherever there's a music store. And I literally made my wife go with me to the music store so I could just play ukulele for half an hour. And I'm not a ukulele player, but I mean, it's, it's close enough to a guitar. You can kind of figure it out. Uh, and I was like, I just needed to play an instrument. And I didn't know that about myself until this vacation. And I was like, wow, I, I, I can't go five days without playing something. Wow. It was really interesting. Yeah. It was really interesting. And just the, uh, the instinctive, I'm feeling this, I want to make these notes. I want to hear what this chord feels like. I'm going to sing this song for a second. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't playing professionally. I was just noodling in the corner of the store. Yeah. But just this is what it feels like to, to put your left hand down on a fret and have your right hand pick a note or pluck it with your thumb. And that's a, and that's a good tone. That's a warm tone mm -hmm. rather than like, you know, a mess, you know, you make this nice sound. It's like just creating a sound was, was, uh, was kind of the only thing in the world I needed at that particular moment. And I needed it to, I, I truly needed it to happen. God damn, I love it. It was really interesting. It was a, yeah. it was a trip. I, I, I was surprised myself. You know? And you learned a lot about yourself in that moment. Yeah. It was like, wow, the, the, the whole the music bond thing that I that I have that's internal, uh, just staring me in the face right there. I'm just a regular guy from Austin, Texas, on a run of bad luck and on the run for my exes. Been moving around, trying to start a new life, wanna meet a nice girl and maybe make her my wife. But every last lady been a making me crazy Molly said I was mean and Laura said I was lazy oh, It starts real good then it just goes out Took a long, long time I finally figured it out Almost fall from grace on the way down to hell The devil stopped in Austin for a drink at a well Then it fell for a lady drinking whiskey and water I've been dating every one of the hell-raising daughters Dating every one of the hell-raising daughters I was 22 living in Corpus Christi She was hell on wheels and her name was Misty She stayed out late and always looked real nice I guess to have a good time you gotta pay the price 
I met Polo back when I was a cable guy. She started messing around when the well went dry. I thought I'd been to every home in the hill country, but she was going door to door even more than me. On as far from grace on the way down the hill, I never stopped in Austin for a drink at a well. Then I fell for a lady drinking whiskey and water. I've been dating every one of the hell raising daughters. Dating every one of the hell raising daughters. No, 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 no. I remember old Bonnie didn't have no clutch. She took my heart, my money, and me for the ride. I was king in San Antonio when she was my girl, but then she left me flat broke when she left my world. And there was Waco Jane, it's not as sweet as I thought. And I was wrapped around a finger like the ring that I bought. Cause after 21 days, we said I'd do, and only 21 more before she left me blue. Known as fall from grace on the way down the hill The devil stopped in Austin for a drink at a well Then it fell for a later drink of whiskey and water I've been dating every one of the hell of raising daughters Fall from grace on his way down the hill The devil stopped in Austin for a drink at a well Then it fell for a later drink of whiskey and water I've been dating every one of the hell of raising daughters Dating every one of the hell of raising daughters Dating every one of the hell of raising daughters Let's bring this whole thing full circle real quick. Right. And um, uh, we started out the show by mentioning that the first time I was ever introduced to you uh, was at the El Rey. You played in all three bands that played that night. Yeah. Um, uh, where we left off, you were in Seattle. When did you come to L.A.? Because I swear to God, you are fucking California. Oh, yeah. So when, when no, you got here. something about it here that brought me. It, it was meant to be. Uh, maybe around 2000. 2001. Mm-hmm. And I was living in Seattle. I had been in a bunch of bands in Seattle and uh, was playing for a living. And I was just tired of, I, I was like, I've played every single place you can possibly play for $100 a night. And it was like, there's the, the uh, there was nowhere to go. Because I, was, I, was, I wasn't really a grunge guy. Right. And I was also the next generation younger than all those guys. So it's not like I would join Soundgarden or Pearl Jam or anything like that. Um, I ran into some of them at parties and there's, and many of them had like siblings that I would be in bands with and stuff like like their younger brothers and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, I was like, I, there, Seattle is a smaller city in terms of the music industry. And I had done a handful of tours with my bands from Seattle where, you book a week and a half tour, and then you try to do the big L.A. show mm-hmm. where you're hoping to get discovered. Right. And then you end up playing the Cat Club on a Tuesday at 11 o'clock or midnight, and no one is there. Right. Except for your five friends. And or then you the go, Key Club. Yes, and or, then you sleep on your friend's couch, right. and then you leave. And you're like, oh, well, the next time the L.A. show will hopefully be better. Right. I was like, okay, I don't want I, I to be a local musician. I need to try for something more. Um, and so I moved and, and I had been to LA a bunch and had some friends down here. So I was like, all right, I got to move to LA and try to make it work. 
So it was a challenge. Yeah. 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 I knew, I knew, I knew there would be a lot to learn. Like I knew it was, um, uh, I knew it was one of the national and worldwide centers for Mm -hmm. making music. And I was like, all right, I'm good. I'm not the best in Seattle, but I'm good. I was like, I got to try and figure this out and see what happens and maybe meet someone bigger and better and be inspired and grow. And I I knew there would be more career opportunities. Right. And like just ways to grow as a person and as a musician. If I went to a bigger, uh, you know, went to one of the biggest ponds around. That's see, that's, that's the whole, yeah. I was really inspired by that. Yeah. That's the whole thing of, I mean, going back to DJs and whatever. when I was uh, a radio guy in Santa Barbara, all I wanted to do was get the fuck out of Santa Barbara without sounding like an asshole. If you're confident in yourself, let's go swim in the big pool. Yeah. And you do get to meet those people that inspire you and take you under their arm and expose you to, um, bigger and better things. For instance, how did you meet Shooter Jennings? That was a good one. And it was a wonderfully organic one, actually, too. It's, that's the best when it's organic. Um, I had been in L.A. maybe three or four years, two, three years, maybe. And I was, I was kind of, I had really honed in on the rootsy and rock and Americana sound. Uh, not actually, not a lot of people are calling it Americana yet, but, but right. that's kind of what it evolved into being called. Um, uh, but the California country rock right. and the 70s overtone. Um, and so I was playing in a lot of bands in town. And there was one good band called Higher Hellwater that I played with for a minute. Okay. Um, I like that name. And uh, Shooter was friends with this guy, Matt. Matt Reeser. Good guy. Really good guy. Um, so I befriended Matt and played a little bit with the band. And Matt grew up with Shooter. He was from Nashville. And Matt and Shooter both moved out from Nashville when they were like 18 or 19. Um, and so Shooter was looking for a new band. He was in a good band called Stargun, which was a much more like rockin', almost Guns N' Roses. Like okay. they'd play the Viper Room and they would like uh, much more of a riff rock band, you know. Um, but good, good songs and fucking good rock and roll vibe. Very L.A. rock and roll. Guns N' Roses kind of influenced. Um, and so that band was breaking up and Shooter wanted to start a new band that was more country and influenced by his dad's music. He had mm-hmm. kind of didn't want anything to do with country music for a long time. And so when he was kind of getting back into embracing the Waylon and Jesse influence, um, he was putting together a new band and he had found some players and was looking for a new bass player. Because the bass player wasn't wasn't was a little more rock and roll and wasn't really working out for what he wanted to do, and so Matt, this guy was one of Shooter's best friends. Was like, oh my God, this guy Ted is perfect for you. You got to meet him. And Shooter had just met this guitarist named Leroy, who I played with a lot, um, and I played in his band. He played in my band, Leroy Powell, and uh, and so Leroy also said, "You got to give Ted a call. He's perfect. He gets the country. He gets the rock. He got the seventies uh, overtones and gets that influence." Uh, so so shooter was having trouble with his bass player, and within like a day, 
both these guys said, you got to call Ted. Mm-hmm. So I should have got my number and called me. And then I rehearsed with him at one of those groovy little rehearsal places in the middle of Hollywood. Um, and it just felt great right away. And the rest, as like, they say, from is the rock first, and roll the, mystery. From, from the first night, from the first, like, the downbeat, it was great. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was immediately, I like this music, I like these people, I get where they're coming nice. from. Uh, I understand these songs and where they're going. And that was, and that, and just that first night we were jamming, probably three or four of those songs were on the first shooter record that he'd already written. And then there were probably just like a bunch of other cool covers that they were jamming on. Well, one of those things that I always kind of try to tell people is you can have all the fucking talent in the world. But if you're not easy to be around, if you're not fun to be with, if you're not low maintenance, people are going to take the guy with a little less talent who's funner to be around. Sometimes, yeah, very much so. You've got to be amazing if, if, if you're going to be one of those like kind of diva or idiot savant people. Well, this, this goes yeah. back to what I was telling you when you first walked in my house. Yeah. How does it feel to be the nicest fucking guy in rock and roll? <laughs> Ted Russell Camp <laughs> is, you are a gem. I mean, th- th- let's you. just take everybody back for a second. Uh, the, four weeks ago on a Saturday night, I'm standing in line at the Troubadour to see a Shooter Jennings show. A car pulls up. Guy gets out of the back seat. It's Ted Russell Camp. I'm just a guy standing in line, and I yell, Ted Russell Camp. <laughs> and you go, yeah, what's up, man? And you came over, and you talked to me for like 10 minutes. <laughs> that doesn't happen. I mean, well, it does happen. That's funny. And, and when it does happen, that's the time you fucking grab that and hold on to that shit. Yeah, and I'm glad we met. Yeah, that's perfect. Or, well, I mean, we already met briefly before that, but... but uh... This was actually yeah, the good. third time we've met. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, totally. But, uh, a lot of hallways, a lot of dark bars, um, but uh, we got time for we got time for one song, two songs, whatever you want to do. If you want to do one on bass, one on guitar. If you just want to do one and close it out, okay. It's it's it, it's all your call. Again, the website tedrusselcamp.com. Buy his music through the site. Bypass the iTunes. Don't do any of the streaming. But. Uh, you're welcome. Ted Russell Camp, front house. Thank you. Let's do, uh... It's another good one. Here's one from, uh... From Night Owl. Now, this is also on the bass one. This is also on the Low and Lonesome Sound. It's called Another Love Song. Sitting here in a cold bar See a couple on a dance floor Wishing I wasn't so far away from you right now But so long since I left home Too long on the lonesome road Another job, but another day in another town But I don't need another love song I just need you to hold on I don't need another memory Strip me along Don't wanna see another slow dance Cause it just breaks me down 
No, I don't need another love song. I just need you right now. Thought I saw you a week ago and making eyes from the far floor. But it was just my weary heart messing with my mind. Now, girl, you know what I wanna do when I finally get home to you. I'm gonna love it till we stop the hands are tied. No, I don't need another love song. I just need you to hold on. Oh, I don't need another memory Strip me along Don't wanna see another slow dance Cause it just breaks me down No, I don't need another love song I just need you right now fucking christ that song should have been written fucking 30 years ago thank you good that was goddamn good <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we can do better than that all right that means you can call it a night on that one i, I think we can call That's it a okay night on that me. one ted russell camp ladies and gentlemen again the website ted russell camp with a k dot com buy the music through there all the tours there all the website everything you need to know the twitter everything it's all at that website and uh, please support this artist and thank me later. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I've had quite an incredible time, Ted. Good. 
You are an amazing individual, man, and I wish you all the best. Thank you, and I've had a wonderful time. Thanks for having me as a guest, and it's wonderful what you're doing, and it's an honor to be included. So good to have good people in this room, my friends. And uh, <laughs> Hey, can I do one more song? Yeah. <laughs> Please. All right, I may fuck this up, so this might not end up on the air. All right, we can do it. We can do it. You can take it over. So, uh, so last week, uh, I had the great honor of being part of two very cool tributes. A band tribute, which actually I helped organize. The band tribute is one of my band. favorite bands of all. Yeah. The band band. Yeah. Yeah. Me and my friend Funky Jen, Jennifer Gibbons, okay. lives in L.A. Um, uh, we had a show booked at a cool little bar called the Cinema Bar. Love the cinema bar, and uh, and then about a month before the show, was she booked it? I produced I produced her record, or actually two EPs for her in the last couple of years. She's a good friend of mine, and uh, and she's and she booked a show, and then asked me if I would be in her band and then be the opening act, and I said, of course, yeah, of course, you know? you've done that before, of course. <laughs> and then uh, and then she called me up about a month before the show, and she said, hey, I just realized this is the Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend. And the last waltz was the night before Thanksgiving in 1976. So this is the 40th anniversary of the last waltz. And four days. Yeah. Let's do a last waltz tribute. So we did a bunch of my tunes and a bunch of her tunes and uh, brought in a bunch of guests. And we did most of the songs from the last waltz. And then then a, a handful of other like... Basement tapes and Dylan and the band kind of songs. Uh, it was great. And then literally a couple nights ago, I played at a Graham Parsons tribute. Now, uh, part of the deal was, and it was it was Graham Parsons' 70th birthday. Uh, or it would have been his 70th birthday. Right, right. So, uh, so I love Graham and his music. Uh, I was excited to be a part of it. And the deal was everybody... Every all the guests, all the musical guests have to. You can do a whole forty-minute set of your own music, but you got to do two Graham songs. Oh, that's great! So here's an extra Graham song that I didn't get to play that night. Okay, but I love this one's called Sin City. Oh God damn it! <laughs> Greatest fucking song. I'm sorry. I'll just shut up. Oh, it's a great tune. Enjoy great it, song. friends. This old town is made of sin And it'll swallow you in If you got the money to burn So take it home today You got three years to pay And Satan is waiting his turn and this old earthquake is gonna leave me in the poor house and this whole damn town is insane and on the 31st floor 
God-blessed American dream. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Ted Russell Camp, you know, I, I, I do have one question that I need to ask you before we get out. That's okay. What is it? Uh, first of all, I want to pay you a compliment. It's a, maybe a compliment. It's more of an observation. All right. You remind me a lot of Richard Thompson. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. That's a big compliment. That's great. Thank you. Uh, I, I find his... His songs and your songs have some very common threads. Uh, and it's not necessarily in the songs themselves as it is right. in the presentation of those songs. Oh, right on. And, uh, and, and yeah, it just kind of made me, kind of made me think at one point during one of the songs you were doing, I was in my head all of a sudden when I feel so good, I'm going to break somebody's heart tonight. And I'm like, oh yeah, he's kind of there. Oh, that's cool. Thank you. Um, oh, he's great. He's one of the greats. He is. He is. But, uh, God damn, man, you're awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, here's, here is my last question of the night. You are going to put together a supergroup of the greatest musicians in whenever, could be from any time period. I want you to put your band together. Who oh, plays wow. what? That's pretty great, huh? Hmm. That's a big one. Yeah, it is a big one. That's a big one. And you can put any instruments you want in there. Okay. Well, I'll start with... Um, the drummer mm -hmm. would be... There are two. Can I, can, I, can I get eclectic here? Sure, you can do two drummers. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, not at the it's same time. Band. I know it's your band. But, uh, but it's like if this is going to be like the dream album or the dream concert. Yes. Right. It's your band. So I'm going to start with um, uh, Chuck Blackwell, Ooh. the drummer. Now Chuck Blackwell was from Oklahoma. Okay. And he was friends with Leon Russell, so he did some of some of the best Chuck Blackwell recordings we have are Leon Russell, classic Leon Russell records. He also plays with Taj Mahal, or played with. Um, and I got the ability, I got the, the thrill to play with Chuck Blackwell uh, for a handful of shows and a, a few recordings. Uh, and he just has this, which is one of the great drummers, it's a, it's a, freight train of a wonderful experience to play with him. Uh, I would also say um, Vernel Fournier. I love the way that name sounds. <laughs> yeah, Vernel Fournier was a New Orleans drummer okay. who moved to New York and was part of the New York City jazz scene. And uh, and he played with Ahmad Jamal. Some of my favorite jazz. Um, not a lot of people know Ahmad Jamal, but he did this really incredible instrumental kind of piano, bass, and drums thing that was very groovy okay. and very droney. They would kind of groove um, in a strange way, and I don't know if they would like me to say this, but they were kind of one of the first jam bands. Okay, okay. Yet it was the 50s in New York City. In jazz, well, I mean, it was very when, intelligent, when say, beautiful music. But yeah. they had new, they they would have these great bass vamps, and the drums would like mostly brushes, um, and the feel was so great and relaxing and inviting. Um, they set the tone. They, I mean, distant relatives would be Nora Jones, okay, or like Jack Johnson, even. Anything that has that really easygoing, laid-back, yeah, yeah. okay. relaxed, hippie kind of a but you, sensitive, jazzy vibe, 
they were the they were they were the band that helped invent that for me. Okay. Um, Leon Russell would be on piano. Nice. Maybe Billy Preston mm. would be on board for some Wurlitzer. Okay. JJ uh, Kale on guitar. God damn. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm loving this um, band so there's far. There's another amazing guitarist who's not like a like world renowned um, classic rock guy, but Val McCallum is an amazing. Amazing guitarist and musician and a songwriter and everything, um, and he's been playing with Jackson Brown, off and on for the last few years. Just has played with everybody, and super soulful and really creative. Um, Jerry Mulligan, and baritone saxophone. Okay. Uh, Karen Carpenter would sing. But sing vocals in the band. Nice. And, uh... Wow. <laughs> wow. I'm in love with this band. She may also be a drummer, because she, she was an amazing drummer. Okay. Um, I would also want to include some of my friends that I play with regularly. Mm-hmm. So I would, have, I would have John Schreffler in the band, and I would have Funky Jen sing in harmony and duets with me. I would have... Uh, another guy, Storm Road. I play guitar. Play, guitar plays with me. Good name. Uh, yeah, great musician. Um, Jamie Douglas and Shooter. Shooter would be sitting in, of course, and of course helping to steer the ship. I'm sure. Um, who else would I love? Jesse Coulter would be in the band. We're we're, we're now officially a Mad Dogs and Englishmen. Yeah, nineteen piece band. Because this is I the can't rock stop. and roll circus. This is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. Band. That's a great question. Now, are you playing bass in this band? I would play bass. Okay. I'd play bass. I'd definitely I be singing. That. I'd be singing and writing a little bit, but I'd be the bass okay. player. Um, yeah. Good answers. <laughs> Good answers. You know, it's, and it's a cool thing because when I, when we get to this part of the show, and I, I like to ask everybody this. Okay, right on. And it, it's part of uh, almost like a research thing for me. Because oh, yeah. it's like, now I walk out of here and go, okay, I got to go look up all of these artists. Yeah, some of these people are like, oh my God, I love them, right on. Mm -hmm. And some of them are like, wow, who is that person? Yeah. And like, uh, yeah. As a, as a classic rock DJ, whenever I play Eric Clapton's Cocaine, I say... That's Clapton's cocaine, but he got it from J.J. Kale. <laughs> yeah. You know. Totally. Shit like that. But um, You're right. You're right. Hey, Ted Russell Camp, you are uh, you're my favorite person in the world right now on this day <laughs> at this moment. <laughs> Very happy to have awesome. you in the studio, Thank you. My that friend. was fun. That was a great... We just had a, we had a good little session right there. Yes, we good did. Good times, good times. That's what life's about. Front of House is available on iTunes. It's also at soundcloud.com slash Dos Angeles, and we'll bring the greatest music you've never even known, you've totally loved, right to your ears every single week until we disappear for about six months, my friends. To support the show, click through to Amazon at dosangeles.com and pick up one of my audiobooks. I got several out there. They are up at Audible. The latest is called The Miracle Man by a gentleman named Buck Storm. Talking about a name, that's a goddamn good that's name. That's a good name. Yeah, that's a good name. Yeah.
And uh, my name is Mike Dawson. Until next week, my friends, I got bruises on my memory. I got tear stains on my hands. And in the mirror, there's a vision of another front of house. Next Saturday, live in Los Angeles.